Ladies and gentlemen, the doctor is in, and the haunt is on. Chapter 25 All eyes were on the pool, mostly focused on Sharon, who had raised her hands toward the onlookers, as if she were trying to telekinetically control their actions, to keep them from escaping. Kate was floating away from her, as if her body was trying to reconnect with the mask in the deep end. The stillness of the coming dark was total as if Denny, Sharon, and her phalanx of psychotic followers existed in a space out of time, a vacuum that engulfed any sound from the outside world. At first, no one moved. No one even seemed to be breathing. In the deepening dark, their faces were obscured, and with their matching dresses, they appeared as repeating ghosts on the lawn. Denny himself was no longer struggling against the two men on either side of him, and they too had softened their hands still on Denny's shoulders, but without the grip that conveyed their previous determination. Everyone, it seemed, was iced over, stuck in place, waiting for someone else to make the first move, to cause the last crack in the dam. And then a single, simple thought came to Denny's mind. My wife's dead. It was as if this thought, this horrifying recognition, one that made the bile rise in Denny's throat, was the final straw. One woman screamed, cutting the heavy silence, then another. Some of those gathered around the pool broke ranks and began inching back toward the street. Conversely, Kyle and his serpentine companion had moved closer, as if getting a better view of Kate's corpse. Sharon's hands curled, pointing fingers at the defectors, and she said, Where are you going? Do you doubt me, traitors? Her words had an edge to them, a finality that indicated a woman still in control despite what she'd just done, and they worked to halt any movement in the yard. Her followers stood like scolded children, eyes turned away from both Sharon and the lifeless shape floating just behind her. Denny watched Connie smartly and the fake ghost-hunting sisters, as the three looked back and forth between Sharon and the rest of the flock. Their bodies were rigid, as if they might shatter from a single stone thrown at them, and their expressions, masks of utter shock and fear, conveyed a singular, transparent message. This was unexpected. This was not a part of the plan. They had expected a celebratory time, a baptism, they had not known they would be party to a drowning of a woman in her own pool. Do you doubt our goddess? Sharon asked, a subtle shudder in her voice. Do you doubt Lilith? There was a shared mumble in the crowd. Some heads shook back and forth. This is what she asked of me, Sharon said, the resolute quality in her voice faltering, like, with inner panic, the woman was trying to put together the right string of words. There can be no creation without destruction. Do we not burn fields before we sow them again? Do we not raise crumbling structures before building new foundations? 
Without death, there can be no life. We have just paved the way for our Savior to return. After a moment of silence, someone in the crowd said, We? There's no we. You acted alone. We didn't kill her. You did. Who said that? Sharon roared. Show yourself. The scattered women in white parted, allowing a single follower to step forward until they were just feet from the pool's edge. Although the glow from the solar lights weren't enough to reveal her face, Denny knew who this was. Murderer, Megan said. I did nothing of the sort. Lilith works through me, guiding my ha- Sharon's words were swallowed up by the thunderous roar of the shotgun. The muzzle flash was enough to see Sharon's face come apart, her features disintegrating, collapsing into a burst of red that spread down her white dress. Her body fell backward, splashing into the darkening water. White flower petals dotted the bloody cloud. At the same time, Denny felt Terry's hand let go of his shoulder, and he expected the man to charge at Megan, but instead... Then he watched the man scramble backward. Megan then spun on her heels to point the barrel at Denny's other captor, the hem of her dress still stuck on the stock of the gun. She'd been hiding it beneath the billowing white folds. Alex let go as well and backed up, hands in the air. No one moved then. The only sound was Terry's breath, which had turned into heavy, racking sobs. Then the dam broke. First was the frantic barking of Roxy and Echo, locked somewhere inside the house. Then men and women were screaming, running. Two of the followers and a lone male companion jumped the wood fence on the opposite side of the pool, while others disappeared around the side of the house. In an instant, half the crowd vanished. Those who remained were shouting, crying, and they began to converge on Megan. She swung the gun around, keeping the circle at arm's length. Kyle was on the receiving end of the barrel. You're going to shoot me? Kyle asked. The snake lifted its head off of his chest toward Megan, as if repeating Kyle's question. After all we've been through. This isn't you, Kyle, Megan said. She cocked the weapon, forcing another round into the chamber. Just back up, okay? Or what? I don't think you have the strength to pull that trigger. Not on me. You couldn't even find the strength to accept our goddess. Listen to what you're saying. You didn't accept anything, Megan said, an audible shake in her voice. They did something to you. Megan rotated, pointing the gun across the pool at Aaron and Pamela, then refocusing it on Kyle's chest. She was slowly stepping backward while Kyle was closing the distance between them. The snake's head came to rest on the shotgun's barrel. It began coiling around the gun, sliding up toward Megan's hands. They opened my eyes, Kyle said, his teeth clenched. Don't make me do this, Megan whispered, shaking her head as if completely unable to accept the reality of this situation. Denny suddenly felt hands on his wrists, working at the knots. Terry was untying him, his face still shining with tears. Denny felt blood filling his palms and fingers again and as Terry helped Denny get to his feet, he clenched his fists, feeling knuckles pop and crack. Still feeling off balance from blows to the head, Denny got in front of Megan, stretching an arm across her 
as if shielding her from the snake's open mouth and the crowd behind it. The snake reared up, poised to sink its fangs into the flesh of Denny's arm, when someone began shouting, Lilith, we knew it! It was Connie, the realtor, her voice both desperate and elated, like she was being rescued from the bottom of a well. Her outburst was such that everyone's attention, Denny's, Megan's, Kyle and the encroaching mobs, even the snakes, was turned to Connie, and not what was producing her excitement. Then, Denny turned his gaze on the deep end. He wasn't sure how much time had elapsed. Two minutes? Ten? A half hour? But he felt a swell of emotion in his chest, overpowering the constriction of anxiety, as he saw that Kate was no longer floating face down in the water, but was upright, waiting, with her head and shoulders above the surface. The glow of the solar light seemed to be collecting in her eyes, reflecting back a sparkle to each and every onlooker. We knew you would come for us, Connie shouted, clapping her hands together. Kyle's face, his expression, like those on the faces behind him, was bewildered, as if they never expected this to actually work. This was happening so fast. First, Kate was lying dead in the pool, then Sharon. Now, Kate had returned, having survived, or, Denny thought with a shudder, she had been reborn. The snake uncoiled itself and retreated to Kyle's chest. Megan lowered the shotgun. Everyone watched the scene, anything else they'd experienced paling in comparison. Kate, or Lilith, glided through the water, a subtle wake behind her, passing the drifting body of Sharon until she was near the realtor. Connie watched, her face lit with utter joy, as Kate's body lifted from the water. Not by grabbing the concrete rim, but rising on her own, levitating up until she hovered, toes just above the surface. Connie, as well as Pamela and Aaron, fell to their knees. Kyle and the others followed suit, until Denny, Megan, and Terry were the only souls still standing. Lilith, Connie said, we've prayed for this moment. Oh, how have we prayed? We've prayed. The being towered over her, reached down and laid a hand on Connie's hair, caressing her locks with a dripping hand, then moved to grip the woman's chin. As Connie's face was lifted up, she said, I am yours. Yes, Kate said, chuckling. You are. Then, Connie's face contorted with anguish and confusion. Kate had begun squeezing the woman's neck. Connie was choking sputtering. From across the pool, Denny could hear the snapping of muscle and bone, like dry kindling as her throat caved in. Her gurgling was cut off, then Connie's body was flung into the pool, like she were a rag doll. They were scattered gasps, as if the wind was knocked out of everyone watching. Pamela and Aaron, the two nearest to Kate's still hovering form, fell back and began to crawl away. One of them, Denny wasn't sure which, was repeating the same thing over and over. Lilith, why? When she spoke, the floating being wasn't responding to Pamela or Aaron, but rather seemed to be addressing everyone left in the backyard. Who the fuck is Lilith?
This episode of The Ghost Modernist was presented by Dr. Scarelove, with music provided by Atrium Carcheri. Links can be found in the show notes. Follow me on Instagram at The Ghost Modernist, and please rate and review wherever you find your podcasts. That's it for this chapter. Remember, there are two types of people in this world, the haunters and the haunted. Which one are you?